There we go. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Our Lab's Open Office Hour. This week, we're joined by William George. Uh, I feel like I feel like this might be our final solo William George Lab's Open Office Hour. Maybe. We'll see. All right. All right. Probably at least won't be as frequent. That's true. That's true. But uh, which is actually uh, uh, kind of our bigger topic for this week um among other other trifling things like hardware stuff coming in the future and blah 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 but that's not important <laughs> what's important is um what you you william so um yeah let's let's give yeah let's give a, a little a little background and uh and what's changing yeah well so for folks that have watched this before or are familiar with the way our our labs department works historically we've kind of had started out with just matt and then eventually added myself and a couple other guys or don actually first then myself and kelly and we kind of each specialize on different major applications or categories of applications that our customers were using. So Matt does primarily post-production and photography. Um, Don does machine learning and high-performance computing. I did a whole bunch of stuff, uh, engineering, photogrammetry, rendering, VR, uh, all a bunch of little assorted stuff. And then uh, Kelly, when he came on, uh, brought a lot of experience with like uh, 3D modeling and game dev stuff. And what we've kind of ended up with, though, is everybody's siloed and kind of doing their own thing when it comes to putting together like our recommended systems. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have everybody's recommended systems look a little bit different, the information that's presented and everything like that. Uh, so I'm actually going to be transitioning away from the application-specific side of things that I've been doing for a few years and taking ownership over our recommended systems and uh, our other configurations that are on our website so that we can kind of make them more uniform, hopefully bring them all into a similar appearance so that the customer experience is the same, whichever page they visit there. Nice. Um, and and also bridging, you know, uh, between departments internally here. So we have our labs guys, we've got our sales consultants, we've got our product qualification guys. So like we test mm -hmm. things in labs, uh, hardware focused, and then they test, or software folks, I should say, and then they test the hardware with a focus on things like how well does it fit in cases? How well can it be cooled? How reliable is it? How well does it work with the other things in our ecosystem? Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a lot of cross communication going on between those different departments. So I'm gonna kind of act as a, a nexus between labs and marketing and product qualification and consulting and possibly even production stuff, we'll see. And uh, sort of be help facilitate the sharing of information back and forth, making sure consultants know when hardware changes are coming mm. and labs knows what customers are saying they need consulting, getting that information back and forth. And um, so I won't be doing, you know, a bunch of articles focused on a lot of the same applications I've been doing. Some of it's going to go over to Kelly, like rendering, for example, fits really nicely with what he's been doing. Yeah. So he's going to take that over. Some stuff we just won't have as many articles on going forward, maybe just more periodically when there's something really important. Sure. Uh, I will still be doing some testing, but it will tend to come more from hardware focus rather than software. So like I want to do some stuff with uh, NVLink on the 3090s and the A6000s mm. that are coming out um, and uh, RAM speed testing, things that are sort of the next step back from the software layer. Cool. Um, 
so there'll, there'll still be some of that coming. Um, so I'll still probably show up on here with uh, when there's big product stuff, but it'll be less of the focus on, hey, what are your questions about rendering and photogrammetry and engineering applications and more of what cool new hardware is coming or how do these things interact with each other? Yeah, I'm particularly interested in uh, the RAM speed thing because I see a lot of back and forth, a lot of, and even when I look up, um, like I punch in there, like AMD RAM speed, <laughs> like um, compatibilities, right? And it and it's suspicious. I don't know if I can. Sometimes I don't know. Uh, I think working here has made me very wary of manufacturers' recommendations because they don't always uh, line up with how the real world works. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly some of that. And with uh, with memory speeds, it's always been kind of funny to me. The motherboard manufacturers will recommend, or well, officially support, or at least list in their official support, uh, ridiculous things, like crazy high memory speeds. But the CPU manufacturers are usually very, very uh, conservative in that regard, very right. limited. So... Uh, you know, we we've found that the benefits of those additional memory speeds are usually not tremendous. There can be some benefit, especially in in certain niche situations. But you're also talking about a lot less reliability in memory when you do that and stuff. Sure. So, yeah, there, there might be some more of that coming. I did some some testing on that, I think, late last year. But, yeah, this this move should free up some of my time to be able to look into things more like that. Cool. Uh, outside the scope of specific software focuses. Yeah, that'll be neat. So just right off the bat, Welchie Music on YouTube was asking, oh, where'd my mouse go? Uh, wondering if this is a tech support hour or is this just discussion? Um, I let them know that we'll do our best to answer any questions they might have. Uh, so uh, we'll do our best. Um, yeah. Because not- we're, not, we're not in support. We don't have our hands on <laughs> that side of things as much. But as a part of our continuing expansion of uh, this live content, we will on occasion be having a member of our support team uh, joining us on these Fridays. Um, it's like going to be about a six week rotation um, and they'll be highlighting like big things, common things that they've been having to take care of and also make themselves available for questions of that sort. Um, why is my 3960 buzzing? Oh, you have one of our machines and it's buzzing. Uh, I mean, guess off the bat is something's amiss with a fan somewhere. It could be as simple as something is bumping into a fan as it's rotating. That can cause a sound that sounds like a buzz of a, a cable's just along the edge of a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it can be a, a fan profile's gotten messed up and a fan is running at 100% instead of throttling, things of that nature. Uh, I would definitely, for specific stuff like that, reach out to our uh, tech support guys. Um, mm-hmm. They're available via phone and email. Um, and they will be able to much, much better help you because they can pull up your exact system specs, uh, look at pictures from when we were building the system, all those sorts of things, and and get you more precise help. Uh, I could take some guesses, but let's just... Uh, we're doing it live. It's going to be great. Yeah. You, uh, I, I agree with William. My, my, my initial thought is a, a fan. Um, a buzz is, is tends to be um, like my own personal machine. One of my case fans spins 
incredibly fast and it and it causes a cavitation between the the grill of the case and the fan itself and it just and i just don't care enough to fix it (laughs) Uh, yeah is it out of curiosity and again i mean our support guys would be able to do this directly with you a lot more effectively um does it go away or is it steady like does it come and go or is it always on when the computer's on <laughs> um, oh yeah, Kelly. Kelly mentions that it could be a, a coil wine uh, from some of the yep. series cards. Yeah, that, yeah, that a lot of voltage sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Power supply gets that way sometimes too. Um, yeah, anything with a lot of voltage going through it can end up having just electrical noise. Um, which, and then the other tricky thing is everyone's hearing is so different. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are super sensitive to certain frequencies, other people not so much. I, I tend to have pretty good hearing, so I sometimes have been called in to like repair when they're encountering something like you double check and, and you hearing this and right. Like can, but last you feel the CRT monitor voltage like in your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite, uh, but I can. I, you know, never noticed it when I was a kid growing up, we all had CRT TVs, right? And my computer mm-hmm. monitors, but then having gone away from that for a while now in the last several years, if I walk into a room where someone does have a CRT going still, I can instantly hear. I'm like, why, why is there a CRT here? Turn right. it off. It's annoying. <laughs> um, awesome. I, I hope that helped a little bit. Well, to you. Um, but yeah, yeah the, our support team will definitely be able to help narrow that down a little bit. So but appreciate the appreciate the question. It's um, yeah. it's good to know. So, awesome. All right. So where were we, William? Uh, I was just kind of describing what I'm going to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. So, it also means a lot more meetings, which I don't love, but it's actually really interesting to get some insight into parts of the company that uh, I hadn't really. Um, knew existed but didn't really participate in even though i've been here for what, like 14 years or something ridiculous wow. um but i'm in the like the purchasing weekly sync up meetings now to see like what parts are available and what's you know boy i don't envy their job these days it is no. a mess out there with oh yeah launches without supply and shipping delays at uh what do you call them? Oh. ports and oh, yeah. tariffs and price changes and holy cow yeah they That's... are the unsung heroes in this um, company it's nuts i've heard i've heard from some other friends of mine who who are in this industry as well and it's like day to day or hour to hour changes he, um i was talking in oh yeah you know graphics cards in particular uh talks to the distributor and they're jacking prices up too. Like we have one 3090 and we're going to charge you $1,400 for it or whatever. I'm not even sure what MSRP is anymore, but um, within hours, like, Oh, I just bought some, I'm going to want to try to buy more. And so, yeah, it's, it's still just a, such a mess, but that'll be fun. Um, I'm, I'm, I was especially um, excited to when I, I had a little dabble into the product qualification kind of peeking over Josh's shoulder there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's way more in depth than you think from, from the outside. Yeah, so that was really cool. All right. Hey. Oh. Oh. 62, Eddie. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Eddie. <clears throat> 
on. So, um, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the market's all kind of crazy with prices these days. I know coming up, and this is this is cool because I always like being able to talk about like stuff that's semi-secret. Right, the the Threadripper Pro is coming mm-hmm. soon in about a little. I think we can officially actually see. And I always hesitate though. I don't can even know if we can say things? when we can sell it. Okay, we can talk about soon. it, but we can't sell it yet. But soon. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If we can actually, if they actually exist and can get yeah. here from across. AMD is good at least about getting us samples of stuff on the CPU side. They've been pretty good about that. Intel does really well too. Um, so that's, that's been nice. So yeah, yeah, we've been playing around. We had, uh, we had some of them up here we were playing with, um, now they're with Josh in qualification, but those are looking good. It's performance wise, just from a CPU standpoint, I don't think it's going to be tremendously different from the normal Threadrippers, mm-hmm. but what you get is a bunch more PCI Express lanes and a bunch more memory. Awesome. Uh, so it's an eight channel memory instead of four. So double the memory bandwidth. It supports like ECC registered memory and all that, that high end stuff. It's basically a adaptation of their epic server processors for okay. workstations wow. so uh so it's kind of like it's their equivalent of xeon uh, from intel side basically in terms of where it, it is in their product line okay. and uh so it's going to be great for like i said systems that need a lot of memory or need a lot of memory bandwidth for what they're doing as mm-hmm. well as stuff that needs a lot of pci express devices which of course Mostly your brain probably goes to like multi GPU setups, you know, triple quad GPU should be really good, uh, but potentially even things like a ton of NVMe drives or something. Sure. Um, because there's just, I don't even remember how many, but a lot of PCI Express four lanes. Yeah. Um, it sounds too so, like it would be, it'd be pretty good for like those heavier uh, CPU um, compute tasks, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. I just don't I don't know necessarily of any reason that it's particularly better than Threadripper unless again if, if you're what you're doing needs more memory bandwidth, right. yes, or more memory just in general. Yeah. But the like it's it's the same high end at the 464 cores mm-hmm. at the top end just like normal Threadripper. Um and I don't remember but I would guess the clocks might not be quite as aggressive as normal Threadripper. I don't okay. recall off the top of my head, but it should be in the same rough ballpark um cpu wise it's just you're going to pay more and the motherboard's going to cost a bit more but you're going to get more pcie lanes more memory more memory bandwidth and support for ecc registered memory so that'll be cool yeah and there's probably some more stuff that don could tell you there might be some under the hood things that i know he's been super excited about it so yeah that'll be neat um um it's always cool to see new product and stuff that'll yeah be- interesting i'm still i'm still kind of shook at how much of our product line changed over to amd with this it has been a lot and there's still more more to do there's uh, there's certainly some systems where we've uh still working on testing to make sure that the amd stuff is indeed as good or better than intel where we've been selling intel in a certain area for years mm-hmm. um and then also waiting on availability, like we talked about. It's uh, it's been kind of a mess, yeah. <laughs> um, but getting better. Um, I know they go down to sixteen. I just saw Tim's comment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is definitely a sixteen core. I don't know off the top of my head if there's a twelve or not, but 
but I think the ones we're eyeing are the 16, 32, and 64. It makes sense. Um, I think. So we'll see. Yeah, that's neat. What about what? Are, what are anything else coming from AMD? Uh, I know they did um, the sixty nine hundred XT for graphics cards. And they stuff. did the video cards, but yeah, so much of our stuff uses CUDA or uh, or RTX tech mm-hmm. that there's a lot of our things where it didn't work. You know, didn't make sense yeah. performance wise. Um, and I think a lot of the Adobe programs are are also more optimized for NVIDIA. Um, no, the other big thing, not from AMD, but the the A6000 video yeah. cards are starting to trickle. Like, we got two, and we have two more coming, and that's <laughs> we need that for testing to see if we can do four of them. Right. Um, but I don't know how, like, when we're actually going to have enough that we can act, actively start selling them, but those mm. are going to be exciting. Those, uh, And I think we're, I believe Kelly is going to be having some articles coming out about those soon. Awesome. Um, so that should be cool and look forward to see what he's found. But I, I expect performance just probably a hair slower than the top GeForce cards. So like between the 3080 and the 3090 somewhere, um, but a ton of VRAM and really crossing our fingers for being able to do quad. Uh, yeah. we can, quad 3090s just doesn't work with power requirements. At least, I mean, you, somebody could make it work if you had a dual power supplies or something like that. But in terms of what's practical in a system, yeah, you know, it's too much for a 1600 watt power supply um, and too much for probably a lot of people's uh, electrical circuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but these those were what 350 that they were rated for i think yeah I think and so. then they could spike higher uh these are supposedly 300 watts mm-hmm. so four of them with a decent cpu and stuff should be doable cross your yeah, fingers right on um but we have to get two more in to test that so <laughs> so this is a good question uh from cody wellman on youtube do you guys plan on selling radeon pro gpus with your systems if it ends up making sense performance wise um so far it doesn't seem like it does again at least for the applications that we're targeting um now it's been a while since I've personally at least tested a Radeon Pro. I know that you know, the last few we had in were just the normal Radeons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some of the older Radeon Pros around. I don't know if there's, honestly, off the top of my head, I don't know if there's been new stuff in that area that we haven't gotten a hold of yet or not. But um, in general, uh, it's just going to be a matter of whether the performance makes sense. And then if the performance does, then we also have to consider you know, availability. Uh, can we actually get enough of them to sell? Um, and uh, reliability, although that one, of course, it's hard to project what the reliability of a new component is going to be. You can look at your past experience, but it isn't always necessarily going to be accurate. I know we have had more trouble in support with Radeon cards in the past, but mm-hmm. that's been a while now because we haven't carried them for a long time. So. Mm-hmm. I think I think a big part of that is is it just comes down to CUDA, 
um cuda is so yeah. like, well established in so many different uh, applications and unless somebody comes along to make open what, open cl is that what it is or gl one of those open cl so they make um, it as easy to use as cuda nvidia puts so much effort yeah. into making of supporting the development uh like environment for cuda that's really why it's got its fingers into everything is just easier to use so yeah and i think that's probably gotten a lot better over time too but so many programs out there are just established in using cuda like mm-hmm. uh, all all the gpu rendering engines that we target um at least on windows still require cuda and mm-hmm. now support rtx which is you know even better in terms of performance there um two of the three photogrammetry applications we do use CUDA. I think one of the three maybe, well, one of the three you can do AMD, but at least you know, it's not faster. Like we, we did a round of testing on those new Radeon cards and it was mm-hmm. was fine now. Like actually they'd gotten to the point where it was comparable, but okay, it's the same. There's still not a like need to then sell it. And that was one application. Right. So uh, hopefully, I mean, AMD's been kicking butt on the CPU side. Maybe next gen they'll be there on graphics cards too. I don't know. We'll have to kind of see. Uh, but there's there's a lot of stuff that factors into it. We have one from Twitch MPR nineteen ninety nine. Hi, Puget Uh What is a good base office PC to aim for? Uh, he works in Google AdWords, and the browser uses more and more and more RAM. Yeah, honestly, these days, if for just general use like that, uh, most any CPU, at least, you know, don't go like bare bones. I, I don't know if Intel's even doing like Celerons and nonsense anymore. Don't do not do that. But uh, like any of the AMD Radeon 5000 series chips uh, would be great. Any Intel like i7 processor should be fine, even some of the i5s. What I would focus on is making sure you get a fast solid state drive Mm. uh, and plenty of space for however much storage you need and a fair amount of RAM or a system where you can easily add in more because you're right. Uh, Browsers, and especially if you run a lot of tabs at the same time, that eats up a lot of memory. And, uh, And then anytime memory runs low or just other stuff you're doing, applications and data and stuff all goes to the drive. So making sure you're your SSD is good and fast and reliable uh, is is great. So um, we don't we don't do a whole lot in terms of focusing on just like standard office workstations. Anything from our company would be more than sufficient. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I but, uh, I rock yeah. one of our tiny Echoes right now, and that's Xeon based. So and uses sodium memory. So that's a little weird. Um, but I, man, I, I don't think I, and I do mostly browser-based stuff. I'm, all my social media stuff is like in browser stuff, all of it, um, and it works. So um, that might be a good place to start, at least for inspiration. And, yeah. you, know, you can tweak and adjust uh, to your own heart's content. Let's not talk about the computer I'm running off of here. <laughs> it's ancient. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. So, oh man, I'm sorry. I get thrown off. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, I'm just, I'm just generally curious, I suppose. Um, I'm so sorry. I've, I lost, I like I lost, lost your flow. choo-choo of thought. Yeah. Right. Um, 
yeah i'm curious well like what's what does the future hold i guess for for you and in the in the labs department in general i guess Oh, I think most labs is going to keep on trucking and what they've been doing. They they do a great job of keeping up on the performance that you can get in a lot of these big applications that we test for with various hardware. Um, I'm excited to see what Kelly does as he's taken over like the rendering stuff and uh, and his his testing with like Unreal has been really cool to see. So I think there's that they're going to keep on trucking that way. Um, I'm going to have a lot of work to do revisiting a lot of our pages. Like we, we haven't really had someone in, in particular focused uh, responsibility of just maintaining like ad copy on stuff. Like I, I, I've been doing actually parts ad copy for years and years here. It just mm-hmm. kind of tagged along with me from back when I was in consulting over to labs and everything. Uh, so the parts ad copy is usually fine because also that doesn't tend to change. Like you add a part, you write the copy for it. Unless you discover you were wrong about something, <laughs> you don't usually need to go back and change it. Right. But copy on like our configure pages mm. for systems description of like what a deluge is or what a yeah, serenity would... is or whatever we tend to write that when we have a system and then if somebody realizes like oh hey wait something on here is out of date somebody will go back and fix it but if nobody notices we don't really have eyes on those things regularly so that's one of the things that i'm going to get to go through and do and i'm gonna, i want to kind of set up a cadence i think and some reminders of like i don't know maybe every three or six months to go back and check through all of these pages uh, on a rotation because boy there's some outdated stuff like just in little random spots it'll be like somewhere a paragraph about a system mentions a chipset and it turns out yeah that's now two generations old we just missed the fact that we wrote that there and we just need to go back and change it from a z 270 to a Z490 or something, you know? Uh, So there's lots of little things like that that I'm going to be tackling and and needing to to build plans for keeping up on. Um, So that'll be fun. And uh, I think we're actually like... We got a lot of, of stuff kind of that we're, we're thinking through. I don't want to say too much because it's not all, you know, finalized or whatnot. But I think there'll be a lot of cool changes and improvements coming to uh, the user experience on our website for, for folks coming in to configure systems or see information about the recommendations we make, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, earlier on, you'd mentioned how some of, some of your role will be um, – doing some of the kind of uh, hardware testing, like mm-hmm. outside of the software packages, uh, yeah. akin to like the memory speed article from before. Um, what's, do you have a plan for what your first one's going to be? Anything you're really excited to really get your hands into? Oh, I've got a whole list somewhere of stuff. Um, I don't know for sure if all of this is going to end up becoming articles necessarily, but I want to do a little bit of testing on, like I said, NVLink for sure. And that that certainly will probably, and probably not full articles, but like we've had blog posts before about like how to set up NVLink in Windows and which which cards certain NVLink bridges work with. We need to update some of that for the new 3000 series. Um, But also there were questions about like, 
performance differences on AMD chips with different chipsets, like our Ryzen Ooh. chips slower on B550 than on X570. Are they, does, is memory affected on that platform, whether you have two versus four sticks of memory? They'd both be dual channel, but the density of memory that you know increases when you have two sticks per channel instead of one. Mm-hmm. There's some weird things like that. I've just seen some strange rumors yeah. online. So just dipping in and like if, if it turns out like there's no difference or that it's like negligible, it's a percent or something, it probably won't bother becoming an article necessarily. But just so sure. that we have that information, if we do discover something interesting, then we would. I know we've had people on comments on our current articles asking about uh, PCIe 3 versus 4 for storage. We looked at that recently for video card performance, but for storage, so NVMe drives, they're, of course, rated for much higher speeds on PCI Express 4, but does that actually translate to anything real world? And outside of just copying a file, can you see those differences in application performance and whatnot? that's something um i'd be particularly interested to know uh, we see often um the like m.2 cards that stick into a pci slot or it's like a not not necessarily like the raid cards but i've seen them where it's just one and i'm curious if that would have an effect pci three or four um you know th- those sorts of things i think it'd be, yeah. be really interesting to see yeah, there's definitely some interesting stuff out there to look into. And um, so I'll hopefully have more time to do that since I won't be doing as much software-based testing. But we'll also have to see how much time it takes just managing uh, all the configurations we've got. So Right. Yeah, that'll be cool. I like the idea of kind of building up the authority um, outside of just the software side of things. Because there's some times where I've seen in the comments on articles and things where it can get a little touchy <laughs> with uh, some of the decisions that we make on on um, hardware configurations uh, that maybe don't necessarily line up with expectations from the, the general public. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'll be really cool to just have, because I, I think um, with the chipset one, um, I remember scrubbing through something from Gamers Nexus regarding the uh, was it X X570 versus B550, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall the results of that now, but it was more just, I think it was just kind of covering the differences and stuff. It didn't really get into like performance at all, if I if I recall correctly. But uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be cool. Like the SX8100, because I can get four terabytes instead of... Oh, oh! I missed some of the context to that to that comment. Uh, actually, it's a question. Javier Gusart asks, "Would a PCIe three Gen Gen three NVMe, particularly the XPG SX one eight one hundred, make a huge difference instead of a Gen four nine eighty Pro two terabyte to use for a scratch disk project file drive editing four K ten bit four two two wild files that is ProRes a, from an R5. Perfect example of one of those questions I was talking about that we sometimes get that <laughs> right now we don't have empirical answers for. Um, I mean, I'm, I tend to think that a high-end PCI, uh, we're talking such ridiculous speeds, even on Gen 3 drives these days, you know, gigabytes per second. I, I don't know that there's really going to be a difference there. I don't know that that's what the system is waiting on, mm-hmm. but it might be. So we don't know right now. That is something that we might well be looking into in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, 
some of that's going to be a little tricky when you get down to things like specifically like as a scratch disc, I'm going to have to work with Matt to see if like his benchmarks allow for like use of different, I assume his benchmark tests, whatever, like Premiere, for example, is set up to use. So if I go into Premiere and pick something as a scratch drive, that it'll actually incorporate that in the testing. But I'm going to find out if his tests are are designed in such a way that it would uncover those sort of differences or not. Oh, that's going to be so cool. We're going we're gonna to start breaking people's misconceptions here. This is going to be great. Possibly. <laughs> or breaking our own. Well, and, and that's good because, uh, at least from my point of view, um, conflict breeds engagement. So I, I would love to see some, some things where people are uh, kind of mind blown for some of this stuff. It'll yeah. be really fun. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Demon says testing Gen three versus Gen four for storage and scratch drives. If there is a difference, testing Optane storage. I would thought be I heard Intel dropping Optane. <laughs> sure. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. And PCs are dead, right? Because <laughs> tablets came out. I don't know. I, Optane <laughs> always sounded cool, but like from what I recall, never ended up really doing what it was claimed i don't know i don't have a whole lot of hands-on experience with it but i'm under the impression that they were dropping a lot of that from their consumer drives yeah. uh what the because it didn't until just recently got a new seo yes seo what not seo seo search engine optimization yeah. what's the ceo oh. wrong, wrong letter at the start there. <laughs> new ceo that was like changing a bunch of stuff around and, and everything trying to write the sinking ship or something yeah. Oh, sinkship. Uh, yeah. Okay. But no, it'll be good. Uh, yeah. I, that's actually a, a good sinking compared uh, to AMD's performance, at least. Uh, I, it's it's <laughs> the, the behemoth problem, right? Um, yes. Which Too big is, for their own good. It is. It. I do think they. That is a good topic actually to bring up. That the Intel, the new Intel CEO, uh, is an engineer, which is super cool. Um, and I do think it will. It's going to take a little bit. Um, but I do think that they are going to head in a, in a better direction. Cause, um, I always think about that. There's like a Steve jobs interview, uh, from shortly after he came back or shortly after he was kicked out, um, where he said like, once the, once the sales and marketing people like take over the management positions of like the C level stuff, um, it tends to stop focusing on product innovation and product quality, even to an extent. And, um, which not to pick on Apple, but I kind of think they've hit that sort of thing again, in my opinion, I don't want to go down that path, but just as an aside. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be exciting. We're going to see some really cool, just, I think, I think it'll be just a tighter focus for Intel. I'm, I'm hopeful for that too. You know, I'm, I'm happy that AMD is doing great, but what we don't want is just AMD becomes the new behemoth and then they get complacent. We want competition. Yeah. We want options. You know, it's always good. Competition drives performance and stuff for consumers, but it also just means there's more options so that when we do hit shortages and stuff, you know, if one thing's not available, well, the next best thing still is instead of just nothing being available. Yeah. That'll be nice. Uh, oh, yeah, Davidia's comments. Speaking of Intel, they are coming out with new graphics cards, which would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to be AMD five, six years ago sort of thing. It'll be, it won't be that great, 
but it'll be a, a just a cool uh, a, another option i think it'll be great and and again i think they'll make some progress in that yeah i definitely think it'll it, I, I think his his comment there about it being low end to start is is correct from my understanding it's it's basically like a better version of their on on board graphics that they've had for a long time um to start but then i think they're gonna assuming they stick with it anyway progress from there hopefully to, to some more advanced stuff but uh and you know a third big player in the graphics card market that doesn't support cuda presumably like if cuda is still just nvidia now having two competitors that are off that might encourage applications to expand and support things outside of cuda more who knows we'll have to kind of see but again competition is almost always good so yeah, yeah. and then that's that's an interesting thought too is, um apple moving to arm uh Man, I think that's going to cause some weird waves here soon because I've been seeing uh, some some interesting results, at least with, I think it was Resolve, their Beta 17, uh, incredible performance increases that way. Like, that's... Shocking. Yeah, I saw some stuff too. I, I don't... I'm not an engineer that gets into like the un, you know layers of how this stuff works, but I'm, I was trying to figure out how it was possible that they were getting some of that performance with like relatively limited amounts of system Ram and things like that, that historically, at least from a windows ecosystem, you kind of think, well, you have to have system memory to put stuff. I don't know. Maybe their ecosystem is different enough on arm that it just changes the dynamics of how things work i have no idea yeah but um yeah it's it's interesting again competition is good um yeah yeah uh esbro cali on youtube asks does blender still require cuda for gpu rendering um i am not sure off the top of my head um I know Blender's been one of those ones that is frequently asked that we include into our 3D rendering testing. Yeah. Well, so like it's like it's just under making it they, onto the list. They came out with their own benchmark a while back, and I was super excited until I realized it was just a rendering benchmark. Uh, it didn't actually factor in any of the like viewport stuff, which we didn't end up adding it to our suite for that reason. We already had three GPU rendering and two CPU rendering tests, and right. it was just going to tell us more of the same. Um, I Kelly would probably be able to give you a better answer there, although yes and no is kind of confusing. Um, oh, he says there's different options. options fast. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, on their website, at least they do say GPU rendering with NVIDIA CUDA and AMD OpenCL. So it looks like, yeah, they, they probably do support AMD, but... Uh, again, that's a case where NVIDIA has an, a lead there in terms of how long they've been working on that stuff. Um, so, yeah, again, Kelly for, for rendering stuff. Kelly's going to be the go-to guy now. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Demon Mint mentions there are some pretty significant driver optimizations going into the RX 6800 XT lately. How often do you guys update testing data to account for that? So we usually, at least my experience personally doing this stuff, was if a new 
driver that substantially changed performance came out that we were aware of, we'd go back and test the even cards we'd previously tested like a new round of updates but then if like a new product came out but the drivers didn't really change much or or it was still on the same driver we would usually reuse the results from the previous round and just add the new test result to it so if we had reason to think that things were substantially different we would redo our our testing so that's why you'll see sometimes in our articles like the performance of a, a card on a certain software test might be different six months down the road, but then you see another article one month later and it'll be the exact same result because we just reused the same one and nothing had changed. So we, we try to keep up on that when we can. Um, we also aren't always necessarily on the very latest things, especially with graphics drivers, mm -hmm. because sometimes a new graphics driver will come out that doesn't work right with stuff. So we, you know, if, if a new driver comes out, we tend to lag a little bit behind unless it's needed for supporting a new product. Because um, that exact situation just happened recently with um, like every content creation software, uh, the NVIDIA driver broke it. You had to roll back. I'm, I'm sure by now they've fixed it, but um, that was really significant. Like yeah. when, when we put that out or, and it started getting talked about, people were like, oh my goodness, like that changed everything, everything back to normal. Like, that was Yeah, great. and that's for NVIDIA, we also use, uh, we try to use internally and for our, most of our production systems, the studio driver, which mm -hmm. tends to lag a little bit behind their game ready driver. And I believe that was the case there is the game ready one had the problem. The existing studio driver at the time was a generation older didn't have the problem and that was the easy solution was just install the studio driver instead which honestly um just from a personal standpoint i would recommend everybody using the studio drivers whether you're a gamer or not um because really is what's the difference of a few <laughs> frames per second when when we're talking about stability like yeah and i i don't know that there's even necessarily a frame per second difference at least when they are the same driver release mm -hmm. like i said the studio ones tend to lag a little further behind and get additional testing personally my role with graphics drivers on my home systems is i don't upgrade it unless i have to like if it's working and i know it's working leave it sure i I do the same thing with Windows updates. I think I'm, I think I've currently managed to convince Windows to stay about three years old. Like I'm, I'm way back on version, especially if you're at the office. What version am I on? Actually, it's kind Windows of funny. Windows Seven. No, no, I'm on Windows Ten. But like, I'm on. I don't know off the top of my head how to interpret this, but I'm on build ten two forty here at the office. And I think that is several years out of date now <laughs> um, because I don't like <laughs> updates. Yeah. Which again, is this one from? it's pretty good because <laughs> uh -oh. this is from July 29th, 2015. <laughs> Man, <laughs> there All are right. tricks. There are tricks to convincing Windows 10 to stay old. Oh yeah, it's, Just, it's hard. You set your network connection to metered, and it solves all your problems. That's the primary one. <laughs> the other, the other trick, because I didn't know about the metered one until recently. The other trick is just not have enough storage space on your C drive for Windows to put the updates. That's great. William just keeps like a bunch of giant videos, Blu-rays just ripped to his C drive to fill up space. <laughs> now the trick here at work is just have a tiny C drive. Oh yeah. It's only 
61 gigabyte capacity. Wow, that's super tiny. I think it's an 80 gig SSD or 120 or something, and I've got it partitioned. Wow. Yeah, it's that. I'm st- I, I like this little system. I've been running this little guy as my system since way back, like midway through consulting. Uh, so years and years and years. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, that's. But I mean, to to kind of press on that a bit, it is it is kind of important um, to delay Windows updates a little bit for your. Um, your production machine like if you're in the middle of doing a project and stuff you want to push that off until you have a moment in between because as you will see in our support articles often enough um they're especially with their major updates the big like seasonal updates tend to break things and um you know we had like audio problems network issues um with the what i think it was like the october update the 2004 one i think all kind of weird stuff so definitely definitely defer your updates for a little bit uh if you if your machine is like for work stuff that is important i think that's smart yep yeah yeah let's see here let's see any other fun comments yeah yeah uh Oh, Kelly, Kelly asks, is that, that's a big reason to go with Windows Pro versus Home, right? Uh, delaying Home is more difficult? Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with the Home version recently, but um, Pro definitely gives you more built-in controls over, you know, how I think you can delay the major versions up to a year and and you have options to yeah, delay the smaller updates a certain amount of time that you don't in the Home version. Um, I don't know if the Home version lets you use that trick about metered connection like that's not a that's not a feature that is intended i don't think so i hope no microsoft devs are are watching and and goof this up for me but um (laughs) that i assume would probably be something the home version would support but i don't know but that's just basically like if if you are legitimately on a metered connection microsoft doesn't want to make you pay you know hundreds of dollars potentially for gigabytes and gigabytes of updates that you didn't need but and you can't normally very easily set a connection as metered uh, that's that's not but there are ways to to do it um and then like i said the other trick of just keeping small enough space on your c drive that one that one i don't think they can get around yeah yeah (laughs) unless they go in and delete your stuff and then make room which you know never know right that would be terrible like suddenly you have a u2 album on your computer (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) there's precedent oh yeah i just pick on apple a little bit um I'm on enterprise for my work machine, so I have no idea. I just update when it tells me to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right on. I'm curious. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel I feel a little like a unprepared or we burned through uh, a lot of our topic already. We talked too fast. Yeah. No. Today was a bit of a wild card day, so I think we'll be all right. Sure. Just just as long as Eric isn't watching right now. <laughs> just kidding. Well, there's, other, there's plenty of other cool stuff coming. Um, let's see. What else can we say? Uh, Actually, 
uh, Javier has another question, oh. just to kind of fall back again into the NVMe drives. Would you usually want your fastest drive to be the project file scratch disk drive? Uh, for Premiere Pro specifically, I think, I mean, I would defer to Matt. He's our Adobe expert here, and he's got some articles about, let's see if I can find Premiere Pro storage. I know that that there we have an article for storage optimization and stuff, but it's like two it's years. It's a bit old. old. That's true. Yeah, it still mentions flatter drives in that article. I mean, there's still a place for them in the trash heap. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I, I say I have, I have a few at home. Um, yeah, on a shelf, right? No, my home theater <laughs> PC. You know, it's hard to get like many terabytes worth of SSD for cheap. That's true. Um, so backup and backup and mass storage, they still are good. But um, gosh, I, I know he's talked about it a little bit in some more recent articles or maybe in the comments sections mm. as to what his kind of modern recommendation is. Oh, actually, easiest way might be to go look and see what he puts on his recommended systems while they are still technically things that he has put together and not me. There you go. Uh, Premiere Pro top end. So he breaks them out into OS and software, project files, scratch and media cache, an optional dedicated scratch and media cache, and then optional storage and archiving. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Oh, actually, I just recently... Hmm. condensed the after the top the top three after effects um and let's see so the the under the best configuration for after effects at least um the project drive is a two terabyte 860 evo so that's your classic two and a half inch ssd um the disk cache is a one terabyte Seagate Fire CUDA 520 NVMe, which is faster than the 980 Evo or 980 Pro NVMe. So, so project files, you're probably still fine with a regular SATA SSD, um, but your cache, which might also kind of be scratch, um, you'll definitely want as the faster of the two. Yeah. Could I get a link to this? Sure. And we should have a page somewhere with just like all of our best PC4 articles. I think Matt's got a Premiere Pro one coming soon. Yes. From what I remember. So uh, maybe just keep on the lookout for that. A, a new best PC for uh, Premiere Pro article because he will go into things like that. That's probably the best place to see him talk about some of that stuff. Um, I imagine it'll be very similar after effects and premiere pro. Yeah. I, again, I, I would defer to Matt on all that stuff. I, yeah. I don't deal with Adobe software stuff myself. When I, when I do editing, I do it in resolve because it's free. Uh, I used I, to use a, a premiere elements. I bought a copy oh. of that, but then resolve being free is even better. So yeah. <laughs> haven't, haven't kind of, I, I skim almost 
I have to gist all the articles a lot, a lot yeah. of the time. And so I, I start, I start getting a feel for the crossover of things. Um, I think they're going to be very similar. The best PC for after effects slash premier pro. I think the biggest difference for premier pro is um, the graphics card will be more um, robust. Uh, it, it, Premiere takes more advantage of that with like yeah. encoding and decoding and that sort of a thing and uh, the visual effects part of things. Shockingly, After Effects, being the visual effects program, isn't using the graphics card as much as you'd think. Um, across, uh, basically, across the board, it's a 3070, yeah. which blows my mind. You'd think, you'd think it would be more GPU accelerated, but it is not. So... Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, let's see. I'm really good. So actually, to come come back to the we mentioned the A six thousand, which is not a quadro anymore. Uh, is that that's the first in a line of the new quadros, right? Presumably, well, you just call them quadros. <laughs> Presumably, the yeah, I guess that new line of professional graphics cards from nvidia um (laughs) i i don't know how they're going to refer to them honestly like we yeah i used to call them geforce call them quadro you refer to the whole families it's like core and core x or threadripper and ryzen or whatever like i don't know entirely what nvidia is going to do when they just want to refer to all of their non-gaming cards, or at yeah. least the. That's the thing. It's not even just non-gaming because they got Tesla for like server stuff, so it's it's really the workstation-oriented video cards now don't have a name. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. It is, but uh, but yeah, presumably that's the first of many. Uh, that's the only one so far as I know that they've announced, but generally from the past, they usually start near the upper end and work their way down. So it's the a 6,000, you know, I, I mean, we've got currently what we have RTX on the, on the quadro line, the current one, a quadro RTX 8,000, 6,000, 5,000, 4,000 in desktops. And then I think there's a 3000 for mobile, um, but not a desktop equivalent as far as I know. Uh, So I would expect a similar lineup eventually of RTX a series cards. Um, And uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it is kind of weird that like that, that RTX series, the last gen of quadros never made its way all the way down to the lower end. But then if you think about it, the GeForce cards didn't really either, did they? They they have they still have GTX, what, like 1650, 1660, stuff like that. They didn't go any lower than the 2060 and 3060 Ti so far. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a bit strange, but uh yeah, I think this is a bit of a joke, but Demon Mitt asks, is there any possible chance we'll ever see a dual GPU NVIDIA card again? Two GPUs on one card? I don't think so. The, the problem is power. Um, like one high-end NVIDIA card is now well beyond the official PCI Express spec, which is supposed to be 300 watts max per card. And they're mm-hmm. at, what, 350 is the rating, and it'll go higher for brief periods under, under 
turbo. Yeah. Uh, so there's, I mean, you could put two really mid-range car- GPUs on one card, but like, why? There's there's no reason it wouldn't be as good as a single high-end GPU. Yeah. Uh, so no. Um, but we do still like to stack them. There's games don't need it anymore, but there's lots of professional applications where they will eat as much GPU as you can throw at it. GPU yeah. rendering in particular, Resolve tends to do really well with that. You have to have the paid version of Resolve, not the free version, right. to use more than one GPU. Uh, a lot of the stuff Dawn does with machine learning and AI inference and stuff will eat GPUs for breakfast. So um, like I said, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about getting a four of the A6000 in is to see if we can actually do four of them because yes. that should be better performance than 33090s, which is where we can cap out now, and double the RAM per card of the 3090. They're 48 gig cards instead of 24. Um, and they're blowers, so cooling should be okay. So I'm super excited about kind of maxing out what we can offer there for a multi-GPU system. Yeah. Is there? Do we have any maybe vague timeline? For well, I know we're supposed to be getting a couple more of those sometime this month. We have two okay. now, so we can start qualification. Like, like I said, I think Kelly's got some articles coming out very soon with looking at just like, I don't know if he's doing performance of two or just individual card performance, but um, but just looking at those in the abstract. And then once we have four, we can do that. And then the big question though is beyond that, like I don't know how these cards are for widespread availability. Like, great, we get four of them, we can officially qualify everything, but if that's the only four we're gonna get for months, we can't actually sell them really. or can't sell more than one system. <laughs> um, so. Well, you see one at a time right now. Okay, yeah, and that, that makes sense. The, until we have four of them, it'd be kind of silly to look at like one and two card performance now and then do another one looking at three and four card performance or something. So yeah. that makes sense. Um, I see where you were going with that, Demon. That that does make sense. So, it, man. It was a while ago. What was that card that was, man, it's been a long time since they had a dual GPU card. There wasn't there, there was one Titan, Titan Z, wasn't it? That was a dual GPU one, am I remembering right? And then there was a, and it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah the 690, that's right. And the Titan Z, yep. Yeah. Whew, that was a long time. Yeah. Huh. That's uh, yeah. I just we're all, we're almost getting to a point where you're having like a second computer is just for graphics. It's it, yeah. That's what the video card's been for for a while now in terms of horsepower. Like, yeah, and well, and now we're getting to power requirements where oh, true. You know, <laughs> I got a 450 SFX that won't power a modern graphics card. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. It's getting pretty crazy. Uh, Sam Figueroa asked about any thoughts, and I can handle this one because I was just dabbling into this. Uh, Any thoughts on the upcoming AMD Threadripper for Premiere Pro performance? Um, Again, Matt is the expert here, but I think I can take a good guess, again, from having gisted a lot of these articles. The Threadrippers tend to be slower than the equivalent uh, Ryzen chips. However, you do get benefit from the expanded memory capability, uh, which can have a good effect across other, like your total workflow, 
So where your Premiere Pro performance might go a little slower, you can you will probably see improvements across the full pipeline. I think I used the right words there. Because yeah. <laughs> what the what tends to be the deal is. Um, the software will hold the rendered frames in memory. Uh, so if you have extra, 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 extra memory, it won't have to re-render those frames. Yeah, and I think that might be more specific to After Effects. Uh, yeah, that could than, be. Than Premiere, because um, After Effects is, is the one where it's doing that sort of calculation by frame of all the the crazy whatever stuff you're doing in you know, VFX on the frame. Uh, I don't know that that holds true for Premiere, but, mm. um, but yeah. Uh, Matt, should, like I said, should have, a, I think, a Premiere Pro updated article soon so all sorts of good info will be coming yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, gpu will be main component cpu will be added yeah it, it, i imagine so i imagine so uh well we're, we're right on that we're just coming up to our hour is there anything oh kind of off the wall question have you all ever thought or seen any big changes in pc motherboard design or layout I'm asking because I recently saw an Intel motherboard that had a typical ATX layout, but the CPU socket was on the back of the motherboard. I saw pictures of that uh, with the IO and PCI slots on the normal front side. I wonder Why if would you do that? Uh, I think it's to, would... compart to compartmentalize the the CPU away from the graphics card and stuff for heating. You can that would do, force like, you to have a substantially wider chassis, though. Oh, quite so, yeah. <laughs> interesting yeah it's interesting uh honestly i mean i i remember when btx was supposed to be all the rage that was coming and it was going to change everything and it didn't i think i think a lot of like um dell and hp pre-built systems where they control everything have either gone to btx or other weird like proprietary layouts and stuff but they do other crazy things with proprietary power supplies and stuff for the consumer stuff i don't foresee any major changes i mean it's it's pretty well optimized already like you've got stuff in a logical layout the memory chips have to be close to the cpu because you need to keep the data pathways to them short in order for them to be low latency mm -hmm. pci express slots are lined up in such a way that you can easily access them and fans blow out the back of the system like it, it's a pretty decent layout i don't know that there's a whole lot that makes sense to change there. And especially if you start changing sizes and locations of mounting holes, mm -hmm. you're working with whole different ecosystems of cases and motherboards, and it's nice to keep things compatible. So I, I don't foresee a whole lot of change going on there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the cooling's not bad. Yes, there's some weird stuff that can go on with cooling, but it's really, if you put decent quality fans in and you have a decent quality case, it's not bad. You can you can do a lot of good stuff with cooling even now and without having to resort to liquid cooling and stuff like that. So Yep. Yep. Right on, right on. That does yeah. bring us a little over our hour. That was pretty good. William, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day for uh for joining us. You are very welcome. That's pretty cool. Uh and I look forward to seeing some of these more uh hardware focused um articles because yeah. those sort of things are really fun and and i like that it's um 
it's applicable outside of more than just what we are that more than what we tend to be focused on like the software optimization side of things i think we'll be able to help a lot more people this way and it'll be really cool really fun yeah. really cool so awesome well thanks for having me and uh, yeah and, always good uh, talking to you thanks and and thank you to the audience as well for joining us today on our labs open office hour uh we do this every wednesday and friday at 1 p.m pacific wednesdays we bring in outside experts to talk about their workflow and uh their perspective on the industry that they are experts in and on uh fridays we'll have expert our internal experts like william here to kind of do the same thing but a little more focused on the crossover of the software and hardware uh so yeah thank you guys for joining us today mark your calendars wednesdays fridays 1 p.m pacific and we'll see y'all next time bye, bye.